Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. My name is Dr. Trisha Ramprasad, the core behavioral psychologist. And today I have Beverly Chase. Beverly Chase is an award-winning television news executive with over two decades of experience in the industry, working across a variety of projects, including scripted, non-scripted, and feature and short-form documentaries. She has produced and edited hundreds of hours of television. Previously a producer and editor at NBC News for 15 years, Beverly has worked on critically acclaimed programs, including Nightly News, Today, Dateline, Saturday Night Live, as well as working as an Olympics feature editor on location in Torino, Vancouver, and Beijing. She's produced and edited for high-profile projects in NBC's news division, including fast-turn-breaking news specials ranging from natural disasters, such as the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and the Indian Ocean tsunami, to international crises like the global recession and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Beverly has also worked on productions for PBS, History, A&E, Discovery, MTV, and a number of other featured documentary projects. At Vice, Beverly has produced across news magazine series Vice on HBO, Investigations by Vice on Hulu, and most recently, Vice on Showtime. As an executive producer and showrunner of Vice on Showtime, she serves as the lead creative voice behind each episode, overseeing the series of vision and leading the show's process from pitch to through the final episode. Her work has earned her five primetime Emmy nominations, nine news and documentary Emmy wins, two Peabody's and two DuPont awards. She also received a Grace Award, Gracie Award. I'd like to welcome her again, and she just got promoted, it was in Variety Magazine, to Vice President of Current Programming and Development for Vice News and Vice World News, and it's amazing to have you. <laughs> oh my God, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot, but thank you for coming and being patient. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited because... Me and Beverly went to school together too, which is pretty awesome. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. And I think choir. We did choir day. We had choir days. We did choir in Roxbury High School. And now she's a very successful Emmy Award winning VP. And I'm really glad <laughs> to have her here. You know, let's where are you from and where did you grow up? Uh I grew up in Sakasana. Um, right where Roxbury High School is. I lived in the same house that I was, you know, when I was born, from when I was born until I went to college um, in Boston. So that's been my whole Morris County life. Yes, Morris County, New Jersey, Sakasana, New Jersey. We are Jersey girls. And um, how was that um, going into Boston? Which school did you go to? I went to Boston University. Nice. Um, I loved getting out of Sakasana. I love it there. It's a great place to grow up. Um, but I remember when it was time to look at schools, I was really excited about the idea of being in a city. Um, so I think Boston, there was just so many different possible options, you know, in terms of like what I really wanted to do. So I was just, I was like, get me to a city, <laughs> any yeah. city. Well, and I'm still great. in the city. So Oh, you live in the city? Which one? Boston or New York? No, New York City now. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, I went. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I just went straight back. I went straight from Boston to, to New York City and 
I think I'll be here forever. <laughs> nice, nice question. What was your major in school for you to be at this point in your career? I was a film production major. Um, and I've always wanted to study film. I think I, I realized I wanted to be an editor in like sixth grade. I think I did some school project where I attached two VCRs to each other and was like recording and playing and editing my own little movies at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, somehow my parents let me major in film without having any sort of idea of what I could possibly do with my degree when I graduated and no connections and, but yeah. And how did that work out once you graduated with no connections? Um, how did you end up getting into television or what was like your first job in, yeah, in media? I, I, I like to say that I sort of snuck in. Um, I My first job was, was an internship that I had at the very end of school at a company called Avid Technology. And Avid is the software that at the time, almost every single film and television company um, was using to edit their movies. So I basically treated that internship as like grad school. So I, I, my goal was to learn everything I could about the software that was like the premium software at the time. So that when I could graduate and get an editing job, I would not be limited at all by the technology because I know that that's like, could be a stumbling point. I just wanted to be able to like be as creative as I could be without being like, what does this button do? And how can I make this happen? I just wanted to sort of instinctively know how to do it all. Yeah. So um, so I worked at Avid and then I graduated and got a job at Avid and I continued to work there in technical support. So my first job, my first real job out of college was answering the phones for like film and television companies who are working on like major projects and talking to them and helping them troubleshoot their edit machines. Wow, you were like, yeah. You were part of the Geek Squad, the original total Geek Squad, <laughs> like as Geek Squad as it gets. But you got to yeah. start somewhere. Imagine that. Right? Yeah, you're like a technical support. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Technical That's support. Cool. Like cool. off total office space, you know, right out of right out of office space and I still I have so many good friends that I started with at Avid at that time that we're still really close with, you know, even all these years and jobs later. So it was a great 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 experience that's so awesome how long were you there for um I was there for I want to say about a year year and a half after college um I ended up moving to New York I left tech support um well I got a job as a tech support engineer in a post facility in New York okay. so that was like my next job um, and I was basically like, I ran around to different edit suites at this very fancy post house and was like helping the editors in real life in person. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going back to Avid after I left that job and working in their courseware development. So I was like writing course books for other, for the Avid classes who would like teach you how to edit. That's um, so awesome. I just went right back. I loved it. I loved that experience so much there and that's so awesome. You went back to Boston to work? Nope. I They let me work remotely. So I stayed in New York and it was like a very early days remote work experiment. <laughs> you but were I really loved it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. So then from there, what was your first big break? I should say where you were able to break into television and, and uh, media. Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually ended up getting laid off from my job at Avid with like a mass, there was a mass company-wide layoff and it was 
devastating because I just love that job so much. I felt like they broke up with me, oh, so <laughs> um, but it was like me and a bunch of other people. It wasn't just right. me, but you know, it was like a good, ex- it was a great experience because it forced me to take that next step and actually do what I wanted to do, which was edit. So I was basically unemployed trying to figure out, I had no idea how to get a real editing job. So I just basically sent my resume to a bazillion different post houses all over New York city. Um, And then I went to one job interview in times square at this post facility called additional effects. And they, um, it was just an interview for a job. And while I was there for the interview, one of the editors called in sick. And they had asked me to just fill in on the spot. And I had never run an edit before. I'd never done anything. And I edited my first, I had my first edit session by total accident. And it was for um, Dora, the Explorer promos for Nickelodeon. (laughs) And I remember finishing the session. It was really fun. I finished the session and I remember turning around to the producer behind me and I was like, was that okay? And he was like, yeah, that was great. It was totally fine. And I was like, oh my God, it was my first time, you know? And from then I just freelanced and it was great. It was, it was scary as a freelancer because it was still like trying to figure out your next job in the middle of the job you had. It was like very anxiety inducing and stressful. Um, And it ended up like I overworked myself in that those few years that I was freelancer because I was always afraid to stop. So I never really took a break or took a vacation or took time off because I kept thinking like, what if nobody hires me again to do this? Oh, wow. So, yeah. It sounds it really like stressful. You, did you have any burnout during that time because you kept working and kept going? Yeah. I mean, I haven't stopped since <laughs> that time. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, I know. I really, I mean, I don't know. I'm a very um, driven person and I don't take enough time off. That's probably my biggest, yeah. biggest flaw. Um, but, uh, I didn't really burn out because I love it so much. And even now I just, even when I take time off, I sort of miss it, which is probably, probably unhealthy. I don't know. You can tell me more about it (laughs) as the expert in that department, but yeah. (laughs) Let me say if you, well, first of all, right place, right time. Hello, Adora, the Explorer. That's phenomenal. And I always say, if you do what you love, honestly, like your passion, you never feel like you never have to work a day in your life again. It doesn't feel like work, you know? Um, But it sounds like you found your calling, what you love to do, which is phenomenal. It's just that we want to be mindful of any burnout. I know. (laughs) I know. You and me both. I'm getting there. You're nominated for an Emmy or or two now again. Mm. Yeah, so currently our show was nominated um, for the third time. We've had three seasons of our show on Showtime. So this is our third nomination in the category of outstanding hosted nonfiction. Um, Yeah, it's really exciting. So we're nominated for that. And those Emmys are in a couple of weeks. And then we're also nominated for five news and documentary Emmys um, for a special that we made for Showtime that aired almost exactly a year ago on the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan called Return of the Taliban. So we're we're technically our team, my team is up for six Emmys. And then across the whole Vice News division, they were nominated for 33 other news and documentary Emmys. Congratulations. It's a lot. of you. This is pretty phenomenal. You know, my choir buddy, one of my choir people. (laughs) 
I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It's awesome. But if you, if you need a break or anything, you can always pick your favorite hobbies. If it's swimming, biking, maybe meditation, that kind of thing, just to help Mm -hmm. you you know, relax on some days, maybe do a spa day or something. Yeah. Lots of self-care, that kind of stuff is really good for you. Um, But I mean, I can see where your work has taken you. Was there a piece of um, maybe a piece of work you've done that you're most proud of? You've done phenomenal things. Yeah. There's, was there one that really stuck out to you as (laughs) I would have to say this hour special that we did that the Afghanistan withdrawal special was probably one of the hardest but most rewarding projects I've ever worked on. I mean, I I felt like at the time we basically had, I want to say three weeks to put the entire hour together. And it's something that probably should have taken a year of planning. and, And it just so happened that we had four correspondents deployed in four different countries during this during the withdrawal efforts um, in Kabul and they were just so in the thick of it. And it was like, we had so much good material that we had to figure out how to use it. So not editing anymore. Now I'm a showrunner. I was able to like pull together a team. We had about, I think 50 ish people working on it. Um, And it was like an orchestra, you know, it's like every single person had a job to do that was so important. And we were all working literally 24 seven to make this the best, the best thing that we could make. And um, I think in the end, every single person on the team was exhausted. Like people, it was, it happened over Labor Day weekend. So people canceled vacations. Like everybody just cared so deeply about the story. Um, And uh, it was just like all of our work has led us to that point. And so that's why when we got all those nominations for it, we were all just like, oh, it's like this one, this one yeah. of all the things like everybody poured their heart into. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're just all really proud of how it how it turned out. That's so awesome. And this is the one that you're nom that you guys are nominated for that's coming. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you. Now were you on location there too for that? Or no, no, I was basically like making all the things happen because we're all still remote I mean the the we haven't really gone back to a office full-time office sort of workflow so um you know we had teams feeding in footage from Afghanistan and Qatar and trying to remember where else people were I think Turkey um there was somewhere else now I'm I'm drawing a blank but everybody was feeding in this footage simultaneously we had a team of uh, five editors working on it and then we were like simultaneously weaving a narrative through line through it so it just didn't feel like four different stories that we like attached together what was so the name was, of that again so in case if um, people want to watch it it was yeah yeah it was called return of the taliban okay. and it's available on showtime uh like on the apps streaming okay. all that stuff that's so awesome that's yeah good. i really it's really good if i have to say it's I would imagine you guys all got close together too. You have good oh team. yeah, we have a very very close close team. It's like a little family. We've been a lot of us have worked together since I started at Vice seven years ago. Yeah, um, and we're all like in the trenches together all the time, and really everybody is just so passionate about what we do and the stories that we're telling that I think it kind of creates a little bit of a 
family dynamic in a way that's special, I think. I think that's awesome. One of the stories um, that you all did was you got the the prime minister of Guyana on. Yeah, um, vice president. The vice, oh, sorry, the vice president of Guyana um, that came on. And um, some of my listeners are Guyanese and Guyanese Americans or or what have you. and I'm wondering how on earth did you all end up getting a meeting, even getting him on? Yeah. I saw well, some. We, yeah, we interview quite a few um, really high ranking presidents. And, um, you know, we've, we've interviewed Obama before when he was, you know, current president. Um, I think with this story, they basically were just really dogged. The team put in request after request after request. And it's just a matter of like, asking a million times and not giving up until they were able to get that access which is pretty much the case with a lot of the a lot of the stories that we do okay okay that's awesome and you interviewed president obama awesome i mean i didn't personally i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's very clear that i didn't personally do it but you know but yeah one of the head people of this of the stories of vice which is pretty awesome do you have any upcoming projects that you guys are working on or are you guys just brainstorming at this point well no we're still right smack in the middle of making our season so we are on the air right now with season three we're about halfway through um the second half we basically are each season is comprised of 16 episodes and the season is bifurcated so we do eight episodes and then we take a break and then we do another eight we had a very short break this time but sometimes it's longer um, so we just finished airing last week, a really great episode aired about drill music and how the higher you get up with drill rap in the industry, the more dangerous it becomes, um, because it's all like actual gangster. It's like people within gangs that are making the music and a yeah. lot of what they rap about is like beefs with other gang members. So because of that, they're sort of targeted the higher they get up in the industry so that's one of the episodes and then the second half every episode is made up of two different stories so the second story in that is about it's in the philip takes place in the philippines um and talking about how now that um marcos manuel marcos jr is in power um what does that mean in terms of holding the administration accountable for like martial law under his father Um, yeah it's a really interesting look at what the election means and how they got to that point and the role that disinformation played in that election which is really interesting because it looks a lot like you know what we've seen here so that's a fascinating episode that just aired on Sunday and then next week's episode which is airing this Sunday night um is we shot in Sri Lanka during the revolution that's happening right now because of an economic crisis where they sort of overthrew the president and he, um, yeah, he escaped. And the second story in that episode is is Isabel again, Isabel Young, who was the host of the Guyana piece. Um, Isabel goes to the Amazon in Brazil to look for American missionaries and uh, who are trying to meet with undocumented, un, un, um uncontacted tribes there right and convert them to evangelical that's so interesting you know i went to amazon and i was a short-term missionary in brazil in the amazon yeah i was wow years ago it was it was quite the experience (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, I went to the Philippines as well and um, wow. different areas. Yeah, it's quite, it's very different. I, I highly recommend people travel and and yeah. go overseas and learn about different cultures and, and what have you. I mean, this is awesome that you you all came up with these different stories that are so impactful world worldwide. It's just, you're making a difference, a huge difference, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel really good about the stories that we're telling and the, and the why, why we're telling them too. It's not for like shock value or to be salacious. I think we always look for stories that can touch, even with our international stories, that they're stories that touch people in the U.S. because we air only domestically. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very open-minded and, and that's phenomenal. If someone wanted to get into the industry that you're in and documentaries and, and what have you, what advice do you have for them? Um, I, my first piece of advice that I always tell people when they're interested in this is learn how to edit. Um, I think that that is really the crux of of being a great storyteller is if and and it's also a good way for you to know what you need out of a story and when you aren't the one that's putting the story together it's easy to sort of miss some right. moments that you know you need so I always find that the best producers um are people who know how to edit and you know the other thing is to just be like curious about the world and about people and talk to people and ask a million questions and get to know the back, everybody's backstories, I think are really, you know, finding out where people come from and why may they may engage in certain behaviors that they do. Um, so yeah, learn how to edit and be curious. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What um, editing software do you recommend? Because with Ooh. social media and everything, yeah, with social media and everything, like people are doing their own thing online. And if, let's say, if they don't want to be on television, but they want to do something online, what what do you think is the best? Or you have a couple recommendations? I have a couple recommendations. I mean, for me, I you know came up using Avid. I obviously got yeah. my start there. I used to say that if you purple was the color of avid I used to say like if you cut me I'll bleed avid purple uh, um but I had uh at Vice we use Adobe Premiere mm -hmm. um and that's a, it's pretty much taking over I know there's still a lot of avid projects out there but I think Premiere is definitely Premier. on equal footing now yeah Adobe Premiere Adobe. um Adobe Premiere is what my son is learning how to edit on Nice. And he's 13. So he's like doing little tutorials and trying to figure that out. So it's very intuitive and powerful. That's so awesome. So let me talk about your personal life a bit. Okay. Okay. Sure. So yeah, son, he's 13. That's he's awesome. 13. Yep. How he's do you at sleep boy camp. Oh, nice. How do you balance work life, being a mom, all that good stuff? Um, I do a terrible job of it <laughs> for starters. I wish I could <laughs> No, I um he's the best. I um it's uh it's really hard. It's really hard to do everything all at once and be really great at everything all at once. Um so I think uh being kind to yourself and knowing that you're doing your best and not, you know, when when you either have to miss a meeting at work in order to do something with your family or like go to a band concert or something like that. Right. Don't be hard on yourself. Or at the same time, if I like 
miss an appointment for him and have to, you know, reschedule for some other reason. It's just like, never be too hard on yourself, I think is the best, um, is my sort of mentality on all things and knowing my limits and boundaries. Like I don't agree to do things that I know I can't really give my all to. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of make it work, I guess. And sleep away camp. Sleep away camp. <laughs> Send them away for eight weeks. No, <laughs> it's all- good for him. Yeah. So basically being kind to yourself and setting boundaries. That's yes. really, those are good, great self-care tips right there. Yeah. yeah. I'm very big into personal, personal boundaries and not, um, not pushing yourself uh and and to a point where you're uncomfortable with something that you're doing right exactly yeah so what's it like living in new york city i love living in new york city um we my husband and i um also recently got a place upstate um during the pandemic just because living in this tiny um apartment where we each had to we were all working and going to school at the same time was like it's too much for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do split time now uh, a little bit and spend our weekends upstate. But um, I love coming every time we have a nice weekend up there. I love coming back to the busyness of the city. And we're in Brooklyn. So we're not I used to live in like Midtown, which is um, a different a different beast. But we're in a really quiet neighborhood and in Brooklyn. And nice. just I love being out restaurants. Everybody's outside. Like it just gives you so much energy. And it's yeah. a different vibe in Brooklyn for sure. Totally different vibe. Some people hate it. Not Brooklyn, but the city, city living. And they come okay. to the city and they are like, get me out of here. But, yeah. but you've been there for a while now. And yeah, I've lived in New York City for almost 23 years. Ever yeah. since I graduated, really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how long has it been since you graduated. In a while. I lost count. I lost count. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like five years ago, five years. Yeah, ago, just five years. Do you get to come back to Jersey at all? Is your family still here, or? Um, my dad passed away. Um, when I was about thirty, so it's been a while. Um, and my mom is actually um, she's suffering from dementia and lives in a memory care facility, uh, in New Jersey. So I go out to visit her. Um, but beyond those visits, I don't really get to spend a, a lot of time in Jersey. Yeah. I'm so sorry to yeah. hear about your dad and your mom. No, that's sorry. okay. It's, it's really hard. It's really difficult when you get to this point in life where you're, you know, you have young kids and you have, you know, aging parents and your career and your job, it's very stressful. So it's, yeah. you know, I know so many people that are going through the same thing right now. Yes, it's it's something else seeing your parents or grandparents age and you're balancing your own life as well. It's it can be heart wrenching at times, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I love how you have it's nice and bright and sunny in your apartment. Yeah. 15 minutes of sunlight a day is really, really good for you. Just putting it out there, you know. Yes, I do not get a lot of sunlight as an editor, but I make a point to (laughs) do it now um now I'm I I try to run in the mornings just to sort of clear my head that's my number one self-care sun time nothing crazy but just to get some air into my life before the day starts 
For sure. Running is great exercise. It's really good for you. You know, it gets all your happy hormones going, your dopamine, serotonin, all that good stuff, you know, endorphins. Totally. You know? And I never ran. I was never, ever a runner until really the pandemic, I think, was what started it. I, I never thought I would be someone who likes running. <laughs> you know, I think the pandemic woke a lot of people up and, and had them start doing hobbies or things that they never really tried before. I think that part was good. And even brought families closer together, which was pretty good. Now you got a place in upstate New York, which is phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to have that uh it's good it's a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> nice but yeah it's good to get we love hiking or we do a lot of hiking as a family and my son doesn't like it as much because his computer's not up there but <laughs> the kids but it's good to give him a break from the screens on the weekend yes be in nature that's always helpful mm -hmm. taking a break from technology is really good too you know exactly really good yeah you know, Beverly, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. Oh, you're amazing. This is so fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and I can, if, if someone wanted to contact you, do you give out an email or anything or not? Really? Um, I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't give out my email on podcasts typically, but, <laughs> um, but, um, you can find me. I mean, um, I keep my Instagram private, but I, um, uh, I am on Twitter and you can always, people can always like send me a DM. I'm just at Beverly Chase. Nice. Um, yeah. I don't tweet a lot, but I'm trying to get better. I love to promote the show, which is that's the bulk awesome. of it. But... No, that's great. I think that's great. If um, people tweet you maybe with a question or two, you're open to answering it and you promote. Of course. Yeah. Yes. And Vice is just so, so impactful. It's it's amazing. Oh, thank it you. really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was really good to see you. <laughs> yeah, you too. And I just want to thank you again. And everyone, thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Trisha Ramperstad, the core behavioral psychologist, and I'll see you next time. Bye.